The Cleveland Guardians have added a catcher. No, not that catcher, at least not yet. We'll talk about the rumors. We'll get into the newest minor league edition. We're going to talk some Rule 5 fever and get into, like I said, it's rumor, rumor, rumor. It feels like high school all over again on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. On our YouTube count, 1,019. We can keep this party going. Let's keep pushing up. Let's get us out of the danger zone. Uh, thank you again to everyone who took part and helped out. Very, very much appreciated. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff Ellis, uh, written for many, many different places, primarily on the draft and prospects. Justin, let them know who you are. Justin Ladd, I've been, let's see, we're, we're rolling on to month number three, I think, with as, uh, as co-hosts on the show now, and managing editor of Guardians Baseball Insider and freelance for the News Herald and the Morning Journal and Prospects Live, um, other things in the past before. I know some people don't like our listening on where we've been writing before, but literally they tell us to do that, so we do it. It's literally in the rule book. Yeah, it's funny to me how much that annoys certain people. Uh, but we actually have quite a bit to dig into, so let's talk about uh, the Cleveland Guardians added a former 12th overall prospect from the Kansas City Royals system, a strong-armed catcher who has produced in the minors but has not seen that produced to the big leagues. Good walk rates, high strikeout rates, uh, but mostly has arm will travel, has some really strong pop times, and yeah, you know he's a good defender. This team needs depth. Rather than have me butcher his name, Justin, take it away. I believe it's Mabry's Valora. Maybe I'm I'm even getting that wrong, but I'm pretty positive it's I've heard it pronounced Mabry's uh, Valora. Good backup ad though. I mean, this is look the only catchers they really have that would be going to AAA. All their catchers could be going to AAA right now, even even if you consider Naylor uh, not on the opening day roster. You'd have Naylor, Lavastida, Fry, and now Valora. And below that, I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head who would be a AAA like. It could be a number of guys that probably don't need to be there. So, um, yeah, need a guy who can throw runners out. And that's what Valora's always been good at throwing runners out and taking walks. So he's here, and uh, that's really all you can say. He's here. He'll be in good year in February. That's really all, all there is to say about him. Okay, moving to our next point, just because <laughs> I want to keep us on point moving on. Uh, Brian Reynolds, yes. Brian Reynolds wants to be traded. I actually like he is one of the least interesting guys to trade for, in my opinion, uh, because he, you know, we saw some regression last year in multiple places. He is entering his age 28 year. So a sign of regression is kind of a scary thing. And he's going to be super expensive to acquire. Uh, last year, he had a baseball reference war of 2.9. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that Oscar Gonzalez couldn't have a 2.9 this year. Quan was a better performer last year. Uh, Brian Reynolds is an upgrade, but this whole narrative that like every team in baseball could use Brian Reynolds. I don't know if that's true. I mean, probably like no team has like a star uh, everywhere across the outfield, but I also don't think he is like 
I think he's a little overblown right now. Am I wrong? I know I'm going to get angry people about this. Like I know I have people love him to death. Uh, In fairness, I was not sold on him coming out of Vandy, uh, but he is the most successful Vandy hitter. I mean, maybe ever, Uh, but he is, uh, I, I think he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's a need. And I think it's cost prohibitive. So at the end of the day, maybe a little overhyped, not a huge need for this team. Yeah. Pittsburgh moved him out of center field last year at times. And it sounds like that kind of also bothered him a little bit. This is part of that going into him wanting to be traded. Now, I think it's very possible that 2021 was his peak season and he doesn't repeat that. Uh, everything went very well for him that year. His strikeouts went back up. And if you look at his career so far, 2019 strikeout rates were uh, an anomaly for him. Minor leagues, he's been more in the high in the high teens, but uh, in the majors, that's jumped a little bit. So I think that was probably an anomaly for him. And like like we all said, his defense regressed. Um, everything else offensively suggests that he wasn't any worse last year than he was a year ago. Um, definitely the X stats suggest that he was not as good. So I don't know. I mean, exit velocity was about the same. Uh, launch angle was roughly the same. Hard hit rate was even better. I truly don't know what happened really, to be honest with you. Like most of the stuff looks like it's in line, but the defense backed up the strikeout rate went back up. H 28. Yeah. I think the prospect cost for a spot you don't necessarily need to upgrade is kind of prohibitive uh, in this case. I mean, obviously Cleveland should reach out and see what the price is. They've had conversations in the past. Do you think that his cost now is going to be any less than it was a year ago? Cause no. let's be real here. He he's, he's asking for a trade, but how often do you see in baseball where a guy requests a trade and, gets it like i don't even remember the last time i heard a player demand a trade in baseball it's not like the nba and you are last year with the yankees when he couldn't get playing time and they held him the whole right. year before they released well him. V- very different situations but i mean True, there's but, no yeah. there's no uh Kyrie irving situations no. like there's no james harden stuff going on in the end baseball you don't have that so just because he wants to be traded like brian reynolds isn't going to get to spring training and like I'm not reporting to spring training because you didn't trade me. Like that doesn't happen in baseball. It's not gonna happen. Um, so Pittsburgh doesn't have to trade him. They probably won't, and they're not gonna have to, they're not gonna drop their price either because they're he's got him over a barrel. So yeah, the price to me won't come down either. And there are other spots in this team that are of greater need because Cleveland has outfielders in the system. They need to figure out the right-handed platoon at first base. They need to figure out catcher. They need to maybe upgrade the rotation. So they have other other spots uh, to, to upgrade over this one, which is crazy to say, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a long time. I think we should also maybe quickly comment something we didn't mention before. Uh, Colton Wong for Jess Winker and, um, and Abraham Toro was an interesting deal. It's one less potential outfielder for teams off the market. I understand why both teams did that deal. Uh, I think it's a win-win uh, with a chance that Milwaukee really wins. If you know uh, the Brew or the Mariners are betting on Wong's defense to rebound, and the Brewers are betting on Winker to rebound as a hitter, and he could probably slot into their DH spot. And if Toro rebounds, and it's a huge win for the Brewers, I like the the upside play of the Brewers. But I thought that was an interesting. Now that was our big news on Friday. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, I. I uh... I don't know why the Brewers necessarily need Jess Winker for one season when they have Sal Frelick and 
Joey Weimer coming and they have Garrett Mitchell and eventually Jackson Chorio, but I think they maybe think it's, uh, you know, if he rebounds, it's a draft pick. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he was a, he's a top three bat against right-handed pitching, which is 80% of the league. He was up there with like Soto and bats. Like they were the top three hitters over the last three years before last year against righty. So if he rebounds, you definitely give him the qualifying offer. Yeah, I guess you could. The, the way the qualifying offer has so far looked this offseason, though, is really weird. Like, But the Brewers would oh, get that first round pick. Like, they're in that difference. Yeah, they are. It's just, I don't know. I feel like teams are, the only teams that are, are signing those guys are guys that are teams that are going to give up lower picks. Or, um, well, I don't know. But it doesn't affect what the Brewers get. They'll still get a first anyway. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. If he rebounds, it's a first round pick for them. And then if Toro works out, hey, they've got a, you know, a, a very good infielder. So that's it's true. all about, you know, it's like they got a potential starter for multi years. They got a guy who, even in his down year, still had a 130 runs created plus against um, right handed pitching. And if he rebounds, you get a recoup a first rounder for Colton Wong, who they didn't even want. So that's, that's why I like it. I'm not saying it's a, a great deal, but I definitely thought that was a, a smooth move for them. And hey, if he rebounds, maybe they get better in a first, and maybe they flip him at the deadline to make room for one of those kids. So, um, yeah, you're right. Good call. Yeah. That's just you know my view. Uh, Degrom. I mean, I know we're kind of here. Why don't we take our break and then we can come back and talk about the money that Degrom got uh, before we also do some Rule Five talk and get into some of the rumors of the day on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. But first, it is time to break and talk about one of the fantastic sponsors that keeps our show going and I can't get my tabs together right now. And that is of course our good friends over at bet online. I'm going to click up the little streaming tab, you know, bet online, you love bet online. If you know them, they've been with us for almost three years now. One of our original early adopter sponsors and they're your number one source for sports betting info, stats and news and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports they've got it all at bet online and if you love sports podcasts which you obviously do you can find those at bet online as well they're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts uh again whatever you can imagine they have you covered i'm sure there's some stuff going on with the winter meetings head to bet online check it out for yourself one of the longtime sponsors and we are very thankful to them for being a longtime sponsor of the show. Okay, so let's pivot into DeGrom. Listen, he is a utterly fantastic pitcher. I don't think I would want any part of giving him, with his recent injuries and age, that contract. Like, I get why the Rangers did. They had to overpay to get him. I get why the Mets didn't. Uh, Listen, if he he is healthy, he's worth every penny of it. Um, But the track record of pitchers into their, you know, Justin Verlander is the exception, not the rule. And he just had Tommy John. So, yeah. And he recovered from that better than anybody I've ever seen recover from Tommy John. I don't know. I can't tell you anybody off the top of my head who went from being a Tommy John's uh, uh, case and the next year came back and became the Cy Young award winner. And, And you're right. DeGrom is worth every penny if he makes all those starts. And, even if he makes 22, 25 starts for the Texas Rangers over the next like two or three years alone, like if he makes 20, 20 starts a year for them, 
over the next three years. He might be worth it because like we always talk about with contracts, you're not, you're not really, if you're giving a guy a five-year deal, especially to Grom's age and his history, you're really hoping for like the next three seasons are good. And then after that, you're just like, you know, it is what it is where that's what we had to do to get him here for the first three seasons. That's how a lot of these contracts work, unfortunately, because baseball's pay structure is uh, fundamentally broken. That's a whole other podcast episode uh, by itself. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't blame the Mets. I know Mets fans might be a little bit upset, but I, I, I can't imagine giving him a five-year deal. Like Max Scherzer is like one of the only other guys too that was has been mm-hmm. good into his into his late in his career. And even the last couple of years, he has started to wear down a little bit and had have some injuries pop up here and there. So, boy, I, I mean, if the Rangers get you know an average of twenty starts a year at him for the next like two or three years, then they'll be happy and. There is no guarantee that happens, but uh, hey, good luck. They might, they might be one of the teams that are solely going to build themselves through free agency, and then I know I like their system a little bit, but yeah, can't imagine giving him a five-year contract. Truthfully, yeah, they better hope that. Uh, gosh, I'm, I'm thinking Owen, not Owen Miller, Owen White and Cole Wynn, like who both showed signs of life this year, like Lizer and Rocker. Yeah, it's like they need Actually, you know the some of those guys to to really hit um pivoting news wise uh listen people are talking no one's saying they're tired of murphy but we have to keep addressing it uh my old co-host wants to come in and talk about john murphy so he's over here complaining on the mic uh john murphy again was in the news and again media literacy time we've talked about feinstein i i know we weren't going to call him out by name i'm just going to call him out because, uh, you know, he, he he's a good writer. He writes kind of, you know, the MLB.com. Listen, when you write for a place, they tell you what to write. And yes, his articles are the baseball equivalent of clickbait because it is, hey, here's a quick bite on every on all 30 teams so we can get maximum hits. And having been a writer, I can tell you he is literally probably told to write that. That is how this works. He got past information that I thought was kind of questionable from the beginning because the Braves minor leagues are bottom five right now. Like they're not very deep. They've graduated and or traded it away. So it was kind of hard to figure out a deal, but he reported that a deal was close between the Braves on Murphy. And then in, I don't even think an hour later, it's like, yeah, so a deal's going to happen soon, but it's not with the Braves and list a bunch of names. Now, when you are someone in this situation, we've all had a hot tip and you have to decide if you're going to run with it. Sometimes you get burned. Sometimes you don't like, I, you know, this is not to bury him because we've all had bad intel sometimes that we have decided to run with and it ended up being bad intel. Like all it could do was feel for the guy because his mentions were going to be awful. But this is the time we got to be careful because with that trade, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But my tweet response was like, I don't see how this happens. I'm confused. So always be smart, know how things work and realize like if someone tweets out that the Houston Astros are close to getting Sean Murphy, be like, how? You know, <laughs> if it's the Atlanta Braves, wow. how? Like, at least the Braves could be like, okay, I guess they're trading Grissom and Contreras because they have to. Like, there's no choice beyond those two. And then I guess maybe they're going to flip Denar- Darno for Rosario or something like that to handle short. I don't know. But, you know, it was very, you had to then connect a lot of dots that didn't make any sense. And And then the follow-up tweet was just like, hey, he has been connected to these four teams. Something will happen soon. It was like the ultimate... Someone gave me bad info. I ran with it a little too soon. 
uh, hey, here are some teams that he might trade for. So I can circle back and be like, hey, so I did say these four teams, wink and a nudge. Uh, yeah, Cleveland's still on that list. I think uh, it feels more and more to me like the Cardinals are kind of, they're more willing to pay a salary cost than a prospect cost. So I'm not saying Murphy to Cleveland is sure. I think it's a decent chance at this point. But I mean, the Rays are still there coming in late. And I would not at all be shocked if the Rays figure out a deal at this point in time. I kind of feel like maybe I'm crazy, but Cleveland and uh, Tampa Bay, if I was doing betting odds with our friends over Bet Online, I'd put those two at the top two uh, with a, with uh, St. Louis being a distant third. And then someone like San Diego, four, who has the pieces to make the deal and always seems to want to go for an upgrade, but I don't think has been necessarily listed. Who? Okay, real quick. Who does San Diego have? Really? Jackson uh, Merrill? Like, are you really trading Jackson Merrill for Sean Murphy? Jackson Merrill, and then they're, uh, you can trade your draft picks now. So, I mean, you think about the guys they drafted and having a total brain fart. I mean, like people were talking about uh, Dylan Lasko as kind of, you know, Robbie Snelling. Uh, some people still like Jay Groom. Uh, and then there's really far off for Oakland, though. Like, they're talking, would, that's but, a big risk. It is, but like Oakland loves fire. Like, I think they would love Lasko. Like I'm not gonna lie, that's kind I of. I do. It's just guy. that's that's really kicking the can down the road, especially but with us. Anyway, they've done it with um, a few guys in the past, so it's not crazy. And then I don't know. They, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they if they really have the pieces, but it, it or I should say, that, or you know, they can just trade um, one for one. They'll just trade them uh, Tatis for Murphy. <laughs> that would be. Which that would be the most interesting thing that would happen this offseason. I would be, would be. I'd love to see how that the reaction for that goes. But uh, yeah, th- this we've talked about media literacy before. It, it, this is the whole thing is two pronged. One, I, I, I mentioned before, I think, I think the whole, um, oh, this was leaked by this party to, to drive up the price. Like, I don't know. I, I guess like I said, I think these GMs are all very connected and, they hear from other people. They have back channel communication. I don't think they necessarily need, especially when it comes to Sean Murphy. I don't think you need reporters to tweet. Oh, the Braves are close to a deal or, Oh, the Padres are interested. Like, I think these guys know with that, with or without Ken Rosenthal or Mike, Mark, Mike, Mark, Mark Feinstein or John Heyman tweeting. anything. these guys, these people who work for these teams already know what, what's going on. That's why they're in the position they're in because they're smart and they're well-connected unless you're Jim Bowden, although he is well-connected. So I guess the point remains. Um, I don't, I don't know if they need that. Definitely. Some of that does happen, Like there's no doubt that's happening, but I think on the level of Sean Murphy, it's not as big a deal, but um, Hey, I I've had my own history with uh, trying to break a story in college. That was not a story or I got bad information on from a mascot. I can tell that story another time, but it was uh it was a hellscape for me for a week. I will say after all that happened, it took oh, me a while yeah, to no. put that down. I, and that no, was in I, college and that was over nothing. Not like this stuff. Um, I had a, a deadline occurrence happen. I was working uh, the press box down in double a and we saw, I can't, th- we saw like the assistant GM at the time, like, and he was grabbing guys and talking to them. And I'm like something, a trade is definitely happening. A trade is ha- like, why is he down here grabbing double a players to talk with them? Why is it taking us oh. an extra hour? Like normally right after the game, you've been in there. It's like 10 minutes. They take you down. You talk to the manager. We literally stood there for an hour and the deadline's ticking away. It was a day game. 
And I'm like, I tweeted out a trade is definitely happening. There's, there's too much going on in double A right now. And then nothing happened. And I mean, I spent for the next month and a half to two months. A hey, so is a trade definitely happening today? I'm like, no, I get it. I blew it. I understand. Uh, it was very odd. It was, an, and like I said, so, still to this day, having covered a hundred plus games in double A, it's the longest wait I've ever had. Even when a trade has happened when I'm there, uh, then, uh, then that day. So I don't know what exactly was occurring. If a trade was close, if they're doing what, but, uh, yeah, that was my my version. We've all been there. I feel nothing but uh, uh, pity, you know, not pity, but I, I just feel I'm like, just be nice to people. We, yeah. they, everyone's I trying mean, their best. Still, and this is why guys like Jeff Passan and other people have a lot more. I'm not saying nobody respects Mark Fine, since they do, but yeah. this is why, to me, Jeff Passan is the gold standard because he does not run with information until it's like right on the finish line, like until he knows something is going to happen. Um, this clearly was not the case and he got some bad info, but you also got to realize when a team is maybe playing you too, like, did they give you certain information because that they felt it was going to help them? Like I said, I don't know for sure if, if they, they need it all the time, but you know, did they, cause some, some reporters do get used. I don't know if a trade is, but like, I don't know. Scott Boris is very, I think John Heyman mm -hmm. is very, uh, famous for, uh, being connected to Scott Boris a lot and tweets a lot about Scott Boris yeah. guys. Maybe it's just a, a hearsay kind of thing, but um, you know, you have to be careful of, of what you're putting out there when you're yeah. in a position like that. You know, I hate when people run with stuff before it's happened. And I think also on, on the other side of things, like a lot of fans like, okay, this is when the winter meetings, this is when things we, we hope happen. Baseball desperately needs their fans to have something to get excited about and talk about. And I think fans should have fun with rumors. I think they should look at tweets and they should hear information that reporters are putting out and, and then talk about it. But I also think this is a social media problem. And, and I think we're all guilty of this. Sometimes no one's perfect. I certainly, I'm not, we run with stuff that gets put out there like this. Like a lot of people quote tweeted that tweet and we're going on about how, Oh, Cleveland, get it done. Or uh, people, people assuming the deal was, was done, you know, we all need to take a step back when information comes out and process it and not react. I, I know Twitter, it's like the instant reaction tool. And like I said, I love Twitter and I hate Twitter and I'm guilty of this stuff too, but we all need to take a step back, process things. Let's, let's, you know, look at things, how they're coming out, what's going on uh, before we have these, these reactions and let's let news circulate and let's see what let's see what how the information fills in because the information on this clearly didn't fill in and it didn't work out um again this is why i said jeff passan is good at what he does because he comes out with information that is you know 99 complete he doesn't have to fill in the blanks 25 percent of the way so let's all just take a step back let's enjoy talking about rumors let's um Everybody can do it their own way, but let's let's just maybe let information percolate and let's let's process things a little bit before we react. You know, we don't have to say the first thing that comes to our mind all the time. At least I I also need to learn to be better at that too. No, one hundred percent. We're gonna take our next break. We're gonna come back, have some fun with the rule five. We'll see how much we can get in. Uh, maybe we save a little bit for tomorrow as well, just in case it's a slow news day. But first, we're gonna take a handy break. Uh, talk about one of our fantastic sponsors. And that sponsor is our good friends over at Simply Safe. That is S I M P L I S A F E. 
you're going to hear what I always say, because again, this is what, uh, oh, no, you're not. At Longton Guardians, we believe home should be where you and your family feel safest, especially over the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Lockdown Guardians listeners 40% off a new security system. But don't put this off. They were voted the best home security system uh, of 2020, third year in a row by U.S. News and World Report. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day. Less than half the price of a traditional home security system with the top-rated Simply Safe app. Stay in complete control of your system. Arm or disarm. Unlock for a guest access, your cameras, or adjust system settings anytime, anywhere. That's right. With the new Simply Safe version 2, it is now all through an app. Head to simplysafe.com today. Don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 50% off any new system at simplysafe.com backslash locked on MLB today. That's simplysafe.com backslash locked on MLB. There's no safe like simply safe. And we are back. So the rule five is coming up this week. And I think we expect the guardians to lose someone, if not potentially multiple people. And I've through the years had a few people be like, Hey, I don't think you can lose multiple people. I, I hate to break it to you. you. You can. I went through the entire history of the Cleveland Guardian, the, the Rule 5 draft. Uh, well, it's not fair. I stopped in 1970. I went back to 1970 and listed every player the Guardians had added and or lost. And if they became useful or just if they hit the majors and then, you know, their war value. And in that time, I've got, Seven. I should have just added this up beforehand. Eight. So let's put it this way. Since like 95, they've selected five players. During that time, they have had, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and add the amount, but I would guess something around 20 players taken. And some of those like 2012 is Hector Rondon and TJ McFarland were both lost. Um, you know, and you know, McFarland, I, Gosh, is he still pitching? I feel like he bounces around he uh, all the time. Yeah, like he's, there. he's not been uh, necessarily a star, but he's been. Let's put it this way: he's been better than anything Cleveland has gotten in the Rule Five draft over the history of it until recently. Uh, if you're curious, the top player Cleveland has ever selected, Tom Waddell, a Scotsman born in Scotland. Uh, he's no longer with us. He came over. Let me pull up. I should have pulled up his stats beforehand. Uh, he pitched from '84 to '87 in a relief role. Passed away in 2019 at the age of 60, and he was, um, let's see, I think on my sheet I say where he's from the Braves. Uh, appeared in 56 games over three years, and that alone is also the most games a Rule 5 selection, uh, 215 innings. Like, that's that's the bar. Uh, he was worth, in those three years, 2.8 war. Out of Manhattan College in New York, New York. Um I don't even think he was drafted. I think like that's not listed from Dundee in the United Kingdom. Uh, that's that's the success Cleveland has had. And that's not to knock Tom Waddell, who was a solid guy there in the 80-45 and then I think 87. But Cleveland has done very poorly in this draft uh, <laughs> where the, at the same time, like, I mean, guys they have lost that have gone on to, to pitch in the majors. Like, um, you know, or, I mean, not even pitch, like Anthony Santander. We know that name. Hector Rondon, TJ McFarlane. Hector Luna, Willie Tavares, uh, let's see, uh, going Joe Nunley, uh, Kelly Stinnett. How about Kelly Gruber? 
Uh, that's one of the ones that it's kind of amazing me because Gruber was like, a, I think they took him ninth overall. Like he was a high, high draft pick and he, uh, they didn't try to protect him. He got taken by the Blue Jays and became a central part of those great teams. And that's not counting like some of the guys who made it to the big leagues who didn't have like long careers. It's, it is a weird list to look at just because uh, they've been absolutely crushed in the history of this draft. It's, I would say like in terms of value, I said Cleveland's accumulated. Are you ready? The total war they've accumulated from the rule five draft is um, uh, 3.6 B war 3.6. That's not counting Trevor Steffen. So let me, I should probably say until Trevor Steffen, Steffen, it was a 3.6 B war uh, where, I mean, I think uh, Santander was worth more than that this year alone. Hmm. So Stepan is worth 1.5. So now they're up to 5.1 total um, B war, which again, there's a chance that like Rondon and McFarlane in one year were equal to almost that. Yeah. It's been an interesting history. We did have a question that week. I think I answered it in the comments. We can address it here. Someone asked about the Kai Tom thing and um, the pirates or was it the, the, the athletics? Oakland. He went to Oakland and then he was released and the pirates claimed him. Yeah, he was DFA'd by the Pirates and then or o- Oakland and then the uh the Pirates also moved on from him. So Cleveland he guys go through waivers normally when they're DFA'd. They go through waivers first and then if they make it through waivers, uh the the team they came from gets the gets the chance to get him back for like fifty thousand dollars and they can refuse and Cleveland did. So that's yeah. how he ended up in I think he's in, he was in San Francisco's system last I checked. Um but he got to he got to Pittsburgh because he went through went through waivers and Pittsburgh picked him up. So these guys do go through waivers. Like Luis Oviedo got DFA by the Pirates last year. He went through waivers and then Cleveland claimed him back um, on their own. Otherwise, they could have gotten him back. Otherwise, uh, either way. But there's some fun names on this list. Like I you gave me, I, you came up with all the research for this, but I'm just looking back at some of these prospects and I'm like, yeah, I remember seeing a lot of these guys in Lake County and um, just going back. It's just really interesting to see some of these names and. I should share. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll make a, a view edit and put it in the YouTube notes um, so people can see. You know, Matt Matt Whitney is one of those interesting guys. If you hadn't heard his knee, his leg, I think it was a was it like a knee injury. Shin, shin, yeah, like a shin. Then, yeah. Yeah, Chuck Lofgren we talked about. Um, Matt White was Actor- Brian Brian Barton. Oh, that's that's a misprint. I need to fix that. Brian Barton is one of those guys I've talked about many times on the show wasn't drafted because he was a an aerospace engineering major and people didn't think he wanted to play baseball and he had a really good season with the cardinals and then never got yeah. another chance to play and I, I i would love to talk to him if anyone knows brian barton i would love to figure out what happened there <laughs> yeah he was uh there. he had one good season i was like oh yeah. wow and he was a guy who was like uh pretty low in the minors like i think he might have played in lake county or he might have no, played think in I think he'd been in double sure. A. Like it was, it was a weird thing that year. Did you like go to Akron? He, and he was a top 10 prospect in a really terrible Cleveland system. Um, so let's see. He, like, he was like, it was really weird. They didn't protect him. He, let's see. He got taken. He got to triple A. He played in Buffalo for 96 wow, okay. games. He had a 314 batting average, a 416 on base, and a 440 slugging in double A as a 25 year old. He was old for the level. Um, cause he was a senior when he signed, but still like, that's a heck of a year to not get protected. And that, I mean, he, he finished his career with a 98 
OPS plus. Like he was league average while having a defense, I believe like a solid defensive metrics at the time. It's he's an odd, like yeah. it's just odd. I'm like, what happened? What happened? Like yeah. why was there no more opportunities? The Hector Rondon thing too is where I, I still, I look back and I'm like, I, I'm looking at Cleveland's roster from 2012 and I'm like, why didn't they protect him? Because I know he had a couple Tommy John surgeries and some issues like that, but I'm just like, why didn't they protect him? Cause he went on to be a closer for the Cubs for a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, against them in the world he, series. Yeah. He pitched against in the world series, had a nice career, not a long career, but I mean, he did, he overcame a couple of arm injuries with them and, I don't understand why they didn't protect him because he was an easy pick for the Cubs and uh, had a pretty solid career. I mean, like I said, nothing great, but I mean, he had a couple very, very good years as a closer and like I said, pitching. Okay. So I got his wrong. His is 2013. And I I was looking at that because I go, wait a second. So 2013, um, I guess technically both those were the end of 2012 before the 2013 season. Do you know uh, who they decided to protect was JB Shuck. If you remember. Yeah, I remember. JB yeah, it was Shuck. just Yeah, I just don't remember. I, I can't I still couldn't understand why they didn't protect um Hector Rodney when that happened. He had been hurt, he was a two pitch guy, but he had amazing control. Um, you know, they had the the Latin triumvirate with Ke- Kelvin de la Cruz, Jen Mar Gomez, and Rondone. And the funny thing was for the longest time, KDL was the star of that grouping, and I believe he's the yep. only one who didn't pitch in the big leagues. Uh, yep. Rondon was the middleman and Jenmar was the least appreciated. And Jenmar ended up at least getting up there. He had a good season or two, but Rondon, he was, I don't know. They seemed to undervalue him. And then the Cubs are like, Hey, you're a two pitch guy. We'll just put you in the pen. And off he went. I think he was a reliever his last season in Cleveland in the minors. I think after the couple arm injuries, they finally yeah. converted him to a reliever because they realized he couldn't start or he just kept having too many injuries. He, he but, barely uh, pitched in 2012. He had all of seven innings. And I think they thought that they yeah. could hide him that way. Because he had, yeah, they just they just didn't have him pitch. He pitched in Double A for four and three in the in Arizona, and they tried to hide him. And uh, unfortunately, in those seven innings, he had a one two nine ERA, eleven point six strikeout per nine, two point six walk per nine. Again, the sample size is too small to be meaningful, but uh, he was, you know, took one person in the stands to see him, and then, uh, yeah. It was a bad decision. It was it was yeah. a bad decision, without a doubt. No, no, no more of those for Cleveland. I know people will say the Anthony Sant. I know you were on the Anthony Santana thing, but I don't know. I can't fault them for making the decision they did for that. I never thought he'd stick. I know the injury and all that stuff made it easier, and that's probably I what they missed about Hector yeah. Rondon the first time. But I don't know. I don't I, think they I do that to make a decision like that anymore. Yeah, I don't think they do it anymore. Because I think, like, you look at what they did with Noel. That was like the antithesis of of Santander, where it's like yeah. we're going to protect him and low. It's my whole view at the time at, with Santander, and the reason I was on that was, I mean, I was talking to some people in the system who were like, he's, we're saying like not the best, but their favorite prospects and Manny Ramirez that they couldn't see a way for him to fail. There were a lot of people who were very, very high on him, and the organization had spots on their forty man. They could have made it work. Um, I mean, they took Hobie Milner in the draft instead of protecting Santander. Like they had an open spot. They mistake. didn't even, yeah. yeah. And now if anything, they're the other way, they protect everyone. So I still think they probably lose someone, uh, whether it's, you know, we've, I, those relievers stand out, you know, Mizzy Ozick mm-hmm. and Wright, Miklo Jack, uh, Kelly Marmon. It takes one team to fall in love, but I think we see at least one, possibly two of those relievers, get selected um two relievers and i 
I'll uh, I, I, a non-zero chance for Gabriel Rodriguez. Yeah, I was gonna say he's. You know, we we sometimes get to see some of the batted ball data, and the batted ball data on him is is very very good, and he's hurt, which makes him easy to stash. So I, it's a good call there. Yep. Well, I think we have covered it for today. We will, of course, as breaking news happens, we will record. It'll probably happen right after we're done here. Done. Uh, <laughs> so then we'll we'll then reconvene, or like we'll throw up some YouTube shorts. We'll have you covered. So make sure you're checking out YouTube. That's going to be. It's just easier for us to throw up a YouTube short than. Not to say we won't do a full 30 minute podcast as well. Trust me, if a trade happens, we'll get there. Um, and also, please, like, stop following counts that have like 96 followers who, like, say my, my source says the Sean Murphy deal is complete. Like, you know why they do that? Because then when a trade happens, they can tweet they it look out. Right. They look right. Like, they had a source. And then if it doesn't happen, no one's paying attention to the account to begin with. Like I get to there and treat out that Murphy's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, I have, I'm going to get, I'm going to get fallout. Like there's a repercussion. If you have nothing, that's why that happens. And uh, sources are like the biggest cover up. So please, please, please don't trust people who are not trustworthy. You know, the Mark Feinstein, that stuff happens, but like he is at least a trustworthy source. Again, if a big trade breaks, if it's not coming from Passan, it's not real. Like he, when was the last deal outside of a Boris deal? that he didn't break your buddy. Carlos Colasso had a good point too. The, on the Braves mm-hmm. thing. Did you see his tweet? He said, when was the last time a Braves um, transaction happened that was broken by a reporter before the team account? Because the Braves, for whatever reason now have been so good at, at um, controlling information getting out, or I don't know what they're mm-hmm. doing, but they end up like when, when a move, when they make a move and they're free agent signing or a trade, the team account tweets it before any reporter has it, even pe- yeah. passing. So, uh, but he said that when was the last time that a, uh, somebody broke a Braves transaction before the team did it? And I'm like, yeah, it's a good point. Like, I feel like the, the team has been breaking their own news the last couple of years. So, uh, that's why that didn't add up either. In addition to the, okay, who are they trading? But also I want to point out, even though, even though it doesn't look like Murphy's going to the Braves and that could change, who knows? Maybe, maybe whatever, whoever told Mark Feinstein that he was going to the Braves that, uh, um, Maybe that circles back around and they do. The Braves were at least interested. The Braves have at least, we know, have had conversations about Murphy with the, with the, with Oakland. The Braves have probably the best catching depth in all in all of baseball right now, I would assume. Maybe maybe the Mariners have a good situation, but I think the Braves might have the best. The Braves have the best, and they want to keep adding on to their catching situation, and they want to still improve it if they can. More proof that you can have more than one good catcher on your roster, and it can work. Just saying. Yeah, and also point out like they had Shane Langoliers a year ago on top of Contreras, on top of Darno, on weird. top of Pina, Pena, uh, Pina, whatever you say his name. I'm bl- I'm having, but like they're n- it's never enough, and they're not afraid to trust a youngster, and that's not the only team that's afraid to trust a youngster. So I think that that all carries uh you know with what we have seen i think that is the what we've discussed on the show many times so i want to cut us off before we hit 40 so we don't get yelled at but thank you all for tuning in listening uh we'll be here for all of your breaking news information joy and heartache unlocked on guardians and we will end it the way we always do go go guardians go go make a trade for murphy